Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. It is an honor to be with you tonight. As always, we've got a strong show lined up for you with a great interview with Dr. Ben Carson, who's joining us here today in his personal capacity. It's coming straight up, so let's get after it. You know, the 2020 elections are underway already, and in just a couple of days, millions of Americans who have yet to cast their ballots are going to decide whether or not to reelect President Donald Trump. And there's one demographic in particular that could hold the keys to victory, and that's suburban voters, and suburban women voters in particular. It's something that both the president and his opponent, former Vice President Biden, have made a cornerstone of their campaign. So can I ask you to do me a favor? Suburban women, will you please like me? Remember? Please. Please. I saved your damn neighborhood, okay? The other thing, I don't have that much time to be that nice. You know, I can do it, but I got to go quickly. We don't have time. They want me to be politically correct. Oh, yes, let's discuss it. Let's talk about it over the next 10 years. No, no, no. No, we saved your, you, we saved suburbia in the U.S. I got rid of a regulation that was a disaster, and it was very unfair. Now, the definition of a suburb is fluid changes depending on who you ask. But there's one thing in common for nearly all Americans who choose to live in suburbs. They have an appreciation for the safety provided by their neighborhood. It's a place to raise families and hopefully gives them a good chance to send their children to good schools. Now, as leftist-inspired violence filled the streets this past summer and continues in many places today, as you and your neighbors saw crimes being committed against people in prayer, crimes against police officers, Many Americans are choosing to move in record numbers from the violence in many Democrat-run cities to the safety offered by the suburbs. And if there's anyone who can understand the necessity to provide safe communities and solid educational opportunities for American families, it's Dr. Ben Carson. Dr. Carson understands the American dream. He grew up in the city of Detroit. He was raised by his mother, who worked up to three jobs to make sure that her kids always had food on the table. She also taught a young Ben Carson that anything was possible. It's a life lesson that clearly stuck because if you haven't had the chance to read up on Dr. Carson, his accomplishments are inspiring. After becoming the youngest chief of pediatric neurosurgery in the country by the age of 33 at Johns Hopkins Children's Hospital, Dr. Carson went on to perform the only successful separation of conjoined twins at the back of the head he also performed the first successful neurological procedure on a fetus still in the womb. Dr. Carson is also engaged in philanthropic efforts to support education and reading. And in his time as the HUD secretary, Carson made it his goal to help as many people as possible, helping Americans to purchase homes, engage in the renovation of public housing, something I personally deeply appreciate, a deep commitment to helping homeless veterans. He's joining us today in his personal capacity as a man of great integrity and faith. He is an inspiration. 
I'm also honored to call him a friend. Dr. Carson, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Us. So good to be with you. What's at stake in this election? Well, basically, the future of the country is what's at stake. Uh, what people have to decide is, do we want a government, uh, do we want a system that is up for and by the people or up for and by the government? And uh, no clearer distinction could be uh, drawn than what we're seeing right now. And people also have to make a decision. What is more important to you, soothing my feelings or the future for my children and my yes. grandchildren? Because there are some people who say, yeah, I believe in these policies, but I don't like the messenger. Really? Is that nearly as important as the future for your children and your yeah. grandchildren? Yeah. And what kind of system they will be living under? And, uh, you know, I, th I think it's very interesting. Uh, some of your uh, older listeners may remember Nikita Khrushchev. Yes. Uh, Nikita Khrushchev said, your grandchildren's children will live under communism. Now, why did he say that? Because he knew the process and what had to be controlled. First, the linchpin, according to, to uh, Vladimir Lenin, socialized medicine. Gain control of the most important thing that people have, which is their health. Their health, yes. So you can see that being pushed by some. And then you have to make people dependent on the government. Uh, so anything you can do to create dependency works, including raise the debt to such a level that you mm. can justify mm. massive taxes, which takes and transfers the resources to the government, uh, and then, you know, get rid of God. You don't want people dependent on God. You want people dependent on the government. And then you need to get rid of their guns because, you know, tyranny requires a submissive population. Interestingly enough, if, if you go through the Communist Manifesto, you see all the things that are required to change a society being pushed today. Now, look, you've lived, and in many ways people talk about you as the embodiment of the American dream. Um, you've also, through the Carson Scholars Program, through your philanthropic efforts, through your time serving in government as HUD Secretary, you've talked with a lot of people yes. who are also pursuing the American dream. Talk with our viewers a little bit about the American dream and how you are trying to, trying to keep it alive. Well, you know, for one thing, I've visited 68 countries. I've lived overseas. And there are some nice places in the world, but believe me, they don't compare to this one. I thank God every day that I was born in this country. It's a destination country for people from around the world. Do you know of any other country where people formed caravans trying to get in? There's a reason for that. Wouldn't be happening if we were the horrible, racist, evil place that you know some say that we are. Right. That just would not be happening. And you know the, the American dream really became real for me as a youngster because you know I grew up in an environment where there was a lot of negativity mm. and you can't accomplish and this is against you and you're a victim and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, my mother, if anybody was a victim, she was. Yeah. She was born in a huge rural family in Tennessee, mm. got married at age 13, trying to escape poverty, uh, less than a third grade education, years later discovered her husband was a bigamist. I mean, the poor woman. Yes. 
but she never would be a victim and she wouldn't let us be victims. And she made us read books. Mm. And I don't want to read books. I want to watch TV like <laughs> right. everybody else, but right. you had to read them. Right. But as I read about scientists, explorers, surgeons, entrepreneurs, I begin to understand something, that the person who has the most to do with what happens to you is you. Yes. It's not somebody else. It's not the environment unless you give them that control. You're only a victim if you think you're a victim. And I started thinking that way. My brother started thinking that way. And uh, my mother's friends were always criticizing her. And they said, you can't make boys stay in the house and read books. They'll grow <laughs> up and they'll hate you. And I would overhear them. I'd say, mother, you know they're right. But, you know, <laughs> she didn't hey, listen. Hey, we had right. to do it. And yes. she got the last laugh because one son became a brain surgeon. The other one became a rocket scientist. Yes. Yes. And let's talk a little bit about that, educational opportunities and what's at stake in this election. I mean, you had an incredible mom. You tell some really inspiring stories right. in your books about the teachers who you had growing up. But there's so many families who are worried about educational opportunities for their kids right now. Talk right. a little bit about what's at stake in terms of education in this election. Well, you know, one of the reasons that, uh, you know, there's, there's such a push by one side uh, for educational choice is because they realize that if kids are stuck in a situation where you know they're getting an inferior education it's going to have a lifetime impact. Uh, it is uh, now uh, well established that if you can have a child reading at grade level by grade three it, it changes, changes, the trajectory changes their whole life. Of their life. Well, Dr. Carson, we want you to stay with us, folks. We're going we're gonna to continue to talk with Dr. Ben Carson about education, about faith, and also some really important questions about the future of the country. Please stay right with us. We're going to be right back with Dr. Ben Carson joining us in his personal capacity here on Actionable Intelligence. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens, and we're continuing our conversation with Dr. Ben Carson, who's joined us here in his personal capacity. Now, I want to ask you a question as Dr. Carson, right? Um, you are an expert in the brain, and you've also had an opportunity at the same time to watch the demands, cognitive, physical, mental, emotional, on a president. It's an incredibly demanding job. Talk with, you, talk with our audience, if you would, a little bit about the demands of the presidency and then any thoughts that you have on the ability of President Trump and Vice President Biden to do this job from a cognitive uh, standpoint moving forward. Well, there's, there's no question that it's probably the most demanding job there is. You're, yes. you're being bombarded constantly. But by the same token, the human brain is an amazing organ system. Yes. Billions and billions of neurons, hundreds of billions of interconnections. It remembers everything you've ever seen, everything you've ever heard, can process more than two million bits of information in one second. You can't overload it. Um, having said that, it does degrade over the course of time. Yes. Uh, so that's one of the reasons that a lot of times you see older people and they may not be quite as sharp, not quite as quick and being able to, to recollect things 
and to learn and to process things. It uh, doesn't mean that they're demented by any stretch sure. of the imagination. It just means that there's a, a natural process. And, you know, you sort of compare them at a different time versus now. That's how you can sort of determine right, right. whether or not that process is taking place. Yeah. And, and from, your, from your observations for, for, for President Trump and Vice President Biden, and again, you're not their personal physician, but, but you, you are an expert in how the brain works over time. Do you have any observations when you look at Vice President Biden, when you, when you see President Trump, um, any observations about that possible decline? Well, uh, you know, I, I've seen uh, President Trump become actually more energized. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I don't have that concern with him. Uh, Biden, I haven't had as much contact with. Let me just put it that way. I okay. uh, don't want to go much further than that. Sure, sure. And let's let's switch gears for a minute. Uh, one of the things that a lot of people don't know about you, they they, they know you as a neurosurgeon. They might have seen the, the gifted hands, you know, story. Uh, they understand your time as a presidential candidate. They've seen you as a secretary of the Department of Housing and Urban Development. But you're also deeply engaged in philanthropic efforts. Yes. And the Carson Scholars Program is is on the verge here shortly of giving out its ten thousandth scholarship. Talk with you w with our audience, if you would, a little bit about about the program yes. and why it's been so important. To well, you. we're we're excited about uh, that milestone. Uh, we've been. It'll be 25 years next year that we've been giving out scholarships. And uh, the reason it started was because I would go in the schools and I would see all these trophies, all state basketball, all state wrestling. Yeah. I said, what about the academic superstars? What do they get? There's a little corner over here with the honor roll. <laughs> I said, wait a minute, there's something wrong with this yes. picture. Uh, so we started giving out real scholarships to kids starting in the fourth grade for superior academic performance. But that's only half of it. The other half is that they had to demonstrate that they cared about other people. Yes. Why? Because we're trying to develop the next generation of leaders. There are plenty of people who are smart, and we need them as leaders, but we need people who also care about other people. Yes. And that's something you want to start at an early age. So, and, and these kids are absolutely spectacular. And the cool thing is, you know, traditionally, everybody says, oh, you're a nerd, we don't care about you. But you know, you give a fourth, fifth, sixth grader a thousand bucks, and all of a sudden they're big man on campus. <laughs> wow! How did you do that? You right. Know? And there's a, a big trophy that goes right out there with all the sports yes. trophies that yes. has their name on it, and we have a celebration, and you know we have uh, usually adult honorees too, people of great significance from around the country who can act as role models. So. We really want to emphasize the good, and, and, and we want to push the good because, you know, this is a, an amazing country that we live in with people who've accomplished amazing things. And yet, when you turn the news on, what do you hear about? Yeah, it's just so bad stuff, bad so stuff all negativity. the time and attributing yeah. evil to this and that. We just need to start concentrating on the good and make people... Uh, aspired to do that. Well, there are there are so many hopeful stories that have come out of the Carson Scholars Program, and and you know for all of our viewers, if they want to, they can read more uh, out out at the Carson Scholars uh, website about, yes. about, about about the work that you're doing there. In, in fact, this past year, uh, one of our uh, neurosurgical residents who finished his residency 
was a Carson Scholar in high school, came all the way through the program. That's got to feel amazing. That's great. Feel, and tell us a little bit about Think Big. Well, Think Big is a philosophy. Yes. It's a book. Uh, and each one of those letters means something special. Yes. Uh, to T for talent, which God gave to every single individual. The H for honesty. You lead a clean and honest life. You don't have to worry about the skeletons coming out of the closet. The I is for insight, uh, which comes from listening to people who've already gone where you're trying to go, learn from their triumphs, learn from their mistakes. The N is for nice. Be nice to people. Because yes. once they get over their suspicion of why you're being nice, they'll be nice to you. The K is for knowledge, which is the thing that makes you into a more valuable person, and it's never too late for that. The B is for books, which is the mechanism for obtaining that knowledge. And some people say, I can learn everything I need to learn from watching videos and DVDs. Not true. Because when you read, you're looking at words. Yes. You learn how to spell. Yes. You learn grammar and syntax. Yes. And then the second I is for in-depth learning. Learning mm. for the sake of knowledge and understanding mm. as opposed to cram, cram, cram so you can pass the test yeah. and three weeks later know yes. nothing. Yes. And finally, the G is for God. One nation under God. You know, if we throw out godly principles, we have to replace them with something else and seldom is it going to be as good. Godly principles of loving your neighbor, caring for your fellow man, developing your God-given talent to the utmost so that you become valuable to people around you, having values and principles that govern your life. Those are the things that made America into a great nation. You know, one of the things that I think so many people appreciate about you is that you've been the man in the arena, you've been in the public square, you've endured the attacks from the mainstream media, and one of the things that you've always done is you've really maintained an incredibly kind and hopeful approach to public life. You've always been willing to welcome people of every possible diverse viewpoint in to, to work with you. What do we need to do to build a kinder and more compassionate public dialogue in the United States? Well, first of all, we, we need to engage in conversations yeah. with each other. Instead of people getting into their respective corners and hurling insults at each other, listen to each other. Try to understand why people feel the way they do. And when you get into conversations like that, that's when people begin to work together. Oh, I see. That's why you say, oh, I get it. You know, that's when people can start Build some together. real understanding. And that relationship. Yes. It's all about relationships. And, you know, your audience knows this. There are people they know who are their friends who have very different opinions about other things. Yes. That's not what friendship. That's right. You can have you can be good friends with people who, who disagree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, and you can learn from each other. And I always say if two people agree about everything, one of them isn't necessary. <laughs> exactly. So we've just got 20 seconds left. This is a tough time for a lot of young students, given the, the restrictions around coronavirus and education. Talk to young people for just 10, 15 seconds. Give them a message of, of, of hope about how to, how to pull through these difficult times. This, too, will pass. That's the thing to keep in mind. This country has been through all kinds of things, and we've survived it because we have a constitution that takes all of that into consideration. And if you're willing to listen and work with other people, we will get through anything. 
Dr. Carson, we really appreciate you making the time to join us today. Uh, thank you for your service to the country. Uh, I particularly appreciate uh, your service to make sure that the issue of homeless veterans continues Absolutely. to be addressed. Appreciate you and your team on that. We appreciate your philanthropic efforts. And as ever, uh, the whole team here at Real America's Voice, we appreciate Dr. Ben Carson making the time to come and join us to give us his perspective on the future. It's an incredibly hopeful story. I hope that it's hopeful for you and for your family. We will be right back with more on actionable intelligence in just a minute. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's gonna be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens, and as you know, here we bring you stories that the mainstream media often just refuse to cover. And now, days before the election, and the story of Hunter Biden, former Vice President Joe Biden, and the millions of dollars in income that came to Hunter Biden, apparently as a result of Joe Biden's foreign policy work in the Obama administration, continues to unfold. Today, Just the News is breaking the story open further with a story that Joe Biden's son, Hunter, thought that his lucrative Ukrainian pay was in jeopardy after his father left office. Well, joining us is Just the News founder and editor-in-chief, John Solomon. John, thanks for joining us. Uh, great to be with you, Eric. So, so tell us about the, this latest iteration in the so story. So these are a combination of text messages that come from Tony Bobolinsky's file. So he's the former CEO. He's become a whistleblower to the Senate and to the FBI about the Hunter Biden financial relationship. Uh, and he has text messages going back and forth between him and uh, Hunter Biden in the spring of 2017. In addition, Just the News filed a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit at the State Department, and we get some more documents. What do they show? They show that when Joe Biden was in office as vice president, Hunter Biden could run the table. He gets his Burisma deal. He goes to Kazakhstan. He helps, he and his business partner help create a deal in Kazakhstan uh, for Burisma. That he's getting luc uh, lucrative reward for that big pay, $166,666 a month. That's a pretty yes. good chunk of uh, pay. And then his father, the big guy, as he refers to him in yeah. his text messages, it leaves office in 20, early 2017, and the well of all that foreign money starts drying up, and he snaps at his partner. So Tony Bobolinsky's helping him try to set up a Chinese company, a uh, uh, new, new venture, and he can't get Hunter Biden to answer. And he's like, Hunter, can you please work on this? And he gets mad at him. He sends an F-bomb back at him and yeah. says, you don't understand. I don't have time for you right now. I'm trying to save what little money I have left coming from Burisma. And it just shows that well drying up and how frustrated Hunter Biden was to see what life was like when dad wasn't in the big house. Yeah, and, and to, for, for our viewers to keep in mind, I mean, Hunter Biden's admitted he had no expertise in Ukraine. Yeah. He had no expertise in the gas industry. And he's getting, if I'm, if I'm reading this right, over the course of time, over $4 million is coming into him exactly and, to his, and to his yeah. partners. I mean, for people who are in real America, they know exactly why, or they oh, yeah. can guess exactly why he was getting paid. And remember, he also says in that famous ABC interview, did you get the job because of your dad's name? Yeah, probably. In fact, 
most things that came my way had something to do with my name. Yeah. So he was almost rather remarkably candid about it. And this really shows it. It really shows dad's in office, I can make a big buck. Dad's out of office, the well starts drying up. The well up. starts to dry up. And one of the things that I know that our viewers appreciate is at justthenews.com, you actually put in there all of the we original do. documents. I saw in this story, you not only have the 87-page Senate report right. that looked at this, but you also have the text messages themselves. All the FOIA documents from the State Department showing the assistance the State Department gave Hunter Biden when he was in office. All of it's here. You don't have to take my word for it. You can go look at it yourself and make up your own mind. People can read it themselves. And so what's the Kazakh twist to this? Because that's a new angle that it people is. hadn't seen before. We started to see this in documents about two months ago. The early FOIA results were coming back. And we see Kazakhstan. What's up with this? Why is Burisma in Kazakhstan? So what it turns out is that yeah, Burisma is a Ukrainian company. It's building one of the largest gas infrastructures in Ukraine. It wants to start to expand outside. And so they take mm. Hunter Biden and his business partner, Devin Archer. They reach out to the Kazakh government. They struck a uh, strike a gas deal between the two nations. It's the first ever gas deal where Ukraine is assisting a former Soviet republic like Kazakhstan on, on its own gas development. And Hunter Biden gets rewarded well for that's part of the consulting fees allegedly he gets in this deal. And it's about four or five months in. The Kazakhs want to celebrate this remarkable union. They're coming to the United States. They're at the United Nations meeting in New York. And uh, they want to get a big wig from the Obama State Department. And Hunter and Devin Archer uh, intervene and they get the Undersecretary of Energy last minute to go to one of these meetings and uh, dine with the uh, the victors of this great Burisma, Burisma uh, Kazakh deal. And who's sitting there at the meal? It's uh, Devin Archer, uh, Hunter Biden's uh, top business partner. So an inside job from start to finish. Yeah, so Biden and his partner, they're taking money. You've got this Ukrainian Kazakh gas deal. They're coming. And then who, what do they do? They reach out to the Obama administration and they bring a people in official government positions in to do this work while they're getting paid. Over and over this happened. 2011, uh, Hunter Biden gets in some Chinese people he's doing business with into the White House. 2013, he flies Air Force Two and he, he has his father introduced to the man who's about to start a $1.5 billion investment fund with him. 2015, he meets with a Burisma official. 2015, they get Catherine Novelli to meet uh, with this one. Uh, Hunter to, uh, Biden had the ultimate calling card when he wanted someone to meet in the Obama administration. People delivered because of that last name. Yeah. And, and who is Tony Bobolinsky? For all of our viewers, that's a name that's come up, kind of come out of nowhere, yeah. but it's come up big in the last couple of days. Explain his importance as we look at Vice President Biden and his time in office. He's the October surprise whistleblower. He yeah. comes up and emerges a few weeks ago. He was the CEO of a company called Sinohawk. It was created in 2017, and according to the documents we've seen, he was handpicked by Hunter Biden and Hunter Biden's advisors to run this company where Chinese investors are going to come in, they're going to give a $10 million loan. Half of it's forgivable, meaning the Biden family can take it, doesn't have to pay it back. Uh, and they start to see the company and then it falls apart. And Bob Alinsky was the CEO handpicked by the Biden family to run that company. And very quickly after he starts running it, there's tension between him and Hunter Biden, just like we see on this Cossack deal. And, in, and that's what these text messages are. And you and the team at Just the News, you were able to independently verify these text messages in the last 10 seconds. We, we did. We, yeah. we interviewed people, said, yep, those are original. I saw them. I was part of those conversations. There's an accurate representation of what happened. Well, John, we always appreciate your and the team's accurate, rigorous reporting Thanks, there. Really and that's what we do, folks, here on Action 
emotional intelligence, we bring you the stories that often the mainstream media won't bring you, that they ignore, or that the big tech giants actually try to bury. Well, not here. Make sure that you go out to justthenews.com. You can read the story for yourself. We'll be back in just a minute. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. He's an icon in a, lot of, in a lot of America, and at first glance, Phil Robertson looks like a typical Louisiana man who lives for duck hunting season. A closer look, however, reveals that he's lived quite the life because of duck hunting season. Robertson is one of the stars of the popular show Duck Dynasty. The show ran for five seasons, and in that time, Phil Robertson became a household name as a man who is never afraid to speak his mind when it comes to his family, his faith, and his love of freedom. We're really pleased to have Phil uh, with us today. Phil, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Good to be here, Eric. So I want to start off, you're a man that's known for being committed to your love of faith and freedom. Tell us about how that's evolved through your life and your thoughts on it today. If you look at it logically, Eric, there's several things that earthly kingdoms cannot give one. One, uh, man-made governments cannot remove our sin. Two, man-made governments, although they may give you through the medical profession, they may give you a, a little more time to live on the earth. They can't raise you from the dead. Therefore, I've chosen to follow the godly route which does both, removes my sin, I had a lot of them, and raised me from the dead. So I'm taking my chances with Jesus of Nazareth, who said, I am the beginning of anything, the Alpha. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The Omega means he's the end of everything. Beginning of anything, end of everything, I'm taking my chances with that particular individual. Now, Phil, you've, you've also been out this season. You've been out campaigning for the president. Uh, you've been outspoken on his behalf. He's actually pulled you up on stage. You've made videos endorsing his candidacy. What is it about President Trump that speaks to you, and do you think that the average, that you think the average American sees in, in the president? So I'm sitting in the vehicle and someone says, I think it's my oldest son, you, you got 15 minutes with Donald Trump who's running for office if you want it, Dad. I said, book it. He wants to talk to me. I was a little surprised that a, that a man running for the presidency of the United States would contact me about anything. Right. So I said, book it. So I go in there, and after the the secret police, whoever they are, 
after they put that wand on me, I told someone they put that wand in places Miss K hasn't been in years. <laughs> so I get in there. There's a few generals around and different. Within 30 seconds, how you doing? Pretty good. He appreciated me backing him. I said, whatever happens, Trump, don't forget this. I had drawn the gospel out on a piece of paper, small piece of paper, God becoming flesh. 2020 years ago, I said, Trump, uh, your calendar documents it. It's 2020 years since Jesus showed up. So he dies on a cross for the sins of the world. I said, Trump, you do have sins, don't you? He said, oh, you bet I do, a lot of them. I said, me too, and everyone else. I said, they put him in a tomb, and that's where you and I are going, my man, into a tomb. It may be car wreck, cancer, heart attack, gunshot, old age, but we're going down, you and I. I said, three days after they killed Jesus, he's standing back up on the earth. I said, he went back into heaven. All we're waiting for now, Trump, is the return. I hope you win the election. I'm behind you. I'm out of here. And when I turned to walk away, he said, hey, can I have that piece of paper? I said, sure. And I handed it to him and I walked out the door. So I pointed him to the one who could save him from death and remove his sin. That was my interaction. I talked to him a couple of times after that. Every time I was with him, we talked about spiritual matters. I'm not a mind reader. But I know this, he is, as it turned out, which I didn't know, he is now pro-God, pro-life, and pro-gun. You have to have a gun to shoot ducks and also to stop robbers, looters, and killers from taking over your family. Now, Phil, one of the things that we were talking about before we came on was your support for the military and veterans. Uh, you continue to be a voice for our men and women in uniform, and also uh, you're a big supporter of our, of our law enforcement officers. Everybody saw what happened this past summer with, rooting, uh, with looting and rioting across the country. Why is it so important to you to continue to be out there supporting our police officers and uh, our, our law enforcement officers, first responders, and men and women in the military. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, Romans chapter 13, 2,000 years ago. There's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God, law enforcement. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Do what's right and he'll commend you. Check this out. He, law enforcement, is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. Well, now they're carrying glocks. He is God's servant, law enforcement, an agent of wrath, law enforcement, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer, law enforcement. Therefore, if you think it's rough with them, 
just remove them and it'll be hell on earth. No doubt about it. Well, got Phil, to have them. We know that there are a lot of Real America's Voice viewers who are also huge fans of the Duck Dynasty. Um, and all of us appreciate your commitment to faith, to family, to freedom. I personally, as we talked about, very much appreciate your continued support for the United States military, for our men and women who are out there, and also for our support in, in law, of, of everyone in law enforcement. Phil, really appreciate you coming on Actionable Intelligence today, sir. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. And folks, we'll be right back with our moment in history. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Today, America's wars have faded from the headlines. And veterans' issues seem to be forgotten, at least by the mainstream media. Well, here, we remember our veterans, and we stand by them, as I know that many of you do. And as many of you know, veteran suicide is still a problem in America. If today's a typical day, 20 veterans will take their lives today. Between 2005 and 2017, 78,875 veterans took their own lives. That's according to the most recent data from the VA. That's more than the number of Americans who died in each major conflict except for World War II and the Civil War. And if you've ever known someone who committed suicide, or if you've known the family of someone who's committed suicide, you know that there are no numbers that can convey the searing, tearing, awful, and forever pain that is caused by even one suicide. So what do we do? First, we have to recognize that you cannot solve this veteran suicide problem with money alone. The VA budget is over $230 billion, and the tens of billions of additional dollars haven't yet moved the numbers on suicide. Part of the problem is simply that bureaucracies focus on problems. They focus on substance abuse, joblessness, mental health issues, PTSD, loneliness. Now, I know that we can do better. When I came home from Iraq, after my team was hit by a suicide truck bomb, I donated my combat pay and started working with veterans around the country. We worked with men and women who'd lost limbs, who'd lost eyesight, those who had traumatic brain injuries, and many who felt utterly lost. We changed lives and we saved lives because rather than focusing on problems and wounds, we focused on solutions and strengths. Our message to veterans was simple. We still need you. And we put them back to work. 
coaching martial arts, building with Habitat for Humanity, leading efforts to end homelessness. And you know what happened? When people have a purpose, they rise, they work, they get themselves cleaned up, they go back to school, they walk with pride. Now, in addition to helping people rebuild a sense of purpose, we also had to love veterans enough to be straight and brave with them. We had to tell them the truth. Suicide is not what warriors do. The first purpose of the warrior is to protect others. Suicide makes that impossible. In suicide, someone takes their pain, multiplies it by 10, and hands it to everyone who loves them. What was hurting them becomes hell for the people who love them. There is something selfish about that. And that's a hard thing to say. I've known veterans who've committed suicide, and you may have known some too. I say it not because we want to criticize the dead, but because we want to help veterans. Suicide is not what warriors do. What warriors do do is act with compassion and kindness toward those who need it. If you've been with people who are struggling, you will know how profoundly a word of kindness can help someone who's shaking on the hard edge of making a very bad choice. And today, in a world in which politicians have imposed joblessness and isolation on tens of millions of Americans, and in a public culture in which the mainstream media seems almost completely devoid of any sense of forgiveness, compassion, humanity, or grace, it's all the more important that we act with kindness toward one another. These are simple things, a sense of purpose, bravery, kindness. They can change lives and save lives. And that's something that we can all do together. Now you all remember this is a country built by real American heroes. And here on Actionable Intelligence, we honor those heroes. And tonight we honor St. Louis Police Captain David Dorn. He gave his life when he was murdered by looters in the city of St. Louis. Many of you remember his wife, Ann Dorn, who joined us for the Blue Courage special. She's been a model of courage and hope. We honor her and we remember the family of David Dorn. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. Before we go, take a quick look at one of the stories making headlines today at justthenews.com. 179 violent fugitives are off the streets thanks to the heroic teamwork of the United States Marshal Service and over 50 other law enforcement agencies in what's being dubbed Operation Autumn Hope. Over 100 human trafficking victims were rescued, including 45 children. A compelling story. Check out the full story from Just the News reporter Sophie Mann at justthenews.com. Now, tonight we want to leave you with a story. It's a little bit of the new school mixed together with something that is undoubtedly old school. And this also proves once and for all that American ingenuity knows no bounds. Check this out. Some hard work and imagination led to this massive real-life Pac-Man game board, which was carved into a field in Illinois. It was built using American-made Caterpillar construction equipment near the company's headquarters. The 200 by 200 foot maze celebrates the company's 95th anniversary. 
and actually coincides with the 40th anniversary of the iconic video game. It's just another example of the hard work and fun-loving spirit of America. And before we sign off, we want to leave you with a quotation that really resonated with me as we got actionable intelligence off the ground. It comes from the great Walt Disney and goes like this. He said, the way to get started is to quit talking and to begin doing. There's nothing like the value of hard work, and that's what we promise to bring you each and every day here on Actionable Intelligence. Thank you so much for joining us. Really look forward to being back with you tomorrow night. Have a great night.